Hello, lovely listeners. These are crazy times we're living in, and we wanted to let you know we're thinking about you. Because we record our episodes in advance, we didn't want to give you the impression we're not concerned about what's happening. Things are changing rapidly, moment to moment, and the challenges of social distancing are affecting many around the globe. We feel it too. But rest assured, we're here for you. So reach out. Connect with us on our socials, by email, and or voicemail. But most important of all, take care of yourself and those you love. We'll get through this, and when we do, wine and hugs for everyone. Now on with the show. Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Hey, 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 hey there, Emily. How are you today? Hey, 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 Michelle. I am really excited to be back here so quickly. I mean, our listeners, it's going to just roll out as normal, but we are back in the studio really fast. It feels like it's... Just 24 hours ago, we here, but no, yeah. we were just—I was just drinking wine 24 hours ago, so yeah, as and talking, as, I just as, wasn't recording yes. it, so that's the difference. <laughs> well, you know, the same thing happened to me last night, which is why we are here today. Yeah. So I've had the fortune of meeting this incredible woman, Chantel. Waterbury. Waterbury. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is how recent our friendship is. Um, And we have had so many wonderful conversations, of course, over wine in the last 24 hours. And it was like just very clear. We need to meet. Introduce her to the rest of the clitorati out there. Is that what you're saying? right. Absolutely. While she's here in town. So welcome, Chantel. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, good. Good. It's my my first podcast. Fantastic. (laughs) We're popping your cherry today. (laughs) Wonderful. I'm so excited. It's a nice, supportive, and loving environment. You're going to be okay. I already feel it. I already feel the love. It helps that we have wine. I mean, you know. So, yes. So, Chantel is visiting us from New York City. Um, She is an entrepreneur, big-time entrepreneur. has a really cool company called Inspire that um, pairs designers, fashion designers with um, with, uh, 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 influencers. And they roll out... Sorry, creators. Yeah. Yeah. Creators. Okay. What's the difference between a creator and an influencer? Well, you can have influence and not be someone who creates. So, okay. you know, I always say, like, we live in a day and age where I think, unfortunately, or fortunately, I think that people have an idea when you think influencer, something really specific probably comes to mind. A pretty person on Instagram. Yeah, I think social media right. influencer. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think anyone that has an engaged community that's listening to them, looking at them, they have influence. Okay. And so it's really about thinking the idea behind Inspire is that it's really a blank canvas for telling someone else's story. So we look for inspiring. Part of the reason why it's called Inspire is we're looking for inspiring creators who we think they have an important story to tell. And we partner with them and help them really bring their creative vision to life okay. through these collaborations. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I don't it's think you really could have said I know. Well, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. I'll try to stumble through it, but you might as well have her. Yeah. Um, we're, we're 12 hours into our relationship. Right. Yes. <laughs> 
But I do, I love the company and what she's doing. Of course, me being fashion minded, you know, I'm, I'm just, I've been impressed with what they've done so far and the, her vision for the future. It's also cool. And there's just, you know, her being a fellow entrepreneur out there, just there's a lot of interesting commonalities with the, the way that, you know, um, taking on life in a fearless approach. And I just thought, oh, we need to have this conversation. Well, great, great. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to learn more about you and, and have these conversations as well. Um, I need to drink a little bit of wine, though, to catch we up because I haven't had the 12 hours <laughs> I know. that you guys have had. So what are we starting off with, Emily? Yes, I know, because we might be partaking in a couple sips today. Um, so actually, uh, a friend of ours gifted us this bottle. It is called In Vitro. Is that not like perfect for our show in some way? Yeah, a little bit, but... Yeah, it is an Italian wine. I believe this is a Tuscan wine. Um, Ranieri is the... Is it the producer? Or... So it's spelled in vetro, I-N-V-E-T-R-O. So mm-hmm. it's not like in vitro as, as in, in like, um, IVF treatments and trying to making conceive. Making babies, right. You might try to make some babies after you drink this, but it's not spelled that way if you're looking for it in the store. Yeah. In vetro. Probably Correct. Better. Yeah. Um, but it's an Italian wine. It is. This is a 2014. You know, I'm getting some kind of nice kind of smoky earthiness on the nose. I haven't really given this a whole lot of thought yet, but um, I'm interested to kind oh, of wow. dive into it. It's very, it's kind of soft, I think, yeah. um, on the palate. It's got some um, nice kind of, you know, those those red plummy kind of, yeah, you know, right. blackberries and those kinds of dark fruit notes. Mm-hmm. and the, uh, mm-hmm. the aroma, the smell, it's is, is, to me, is like is, mm-hmm. is stronger or, or more, um, more diverse than the taste. I would expect it a little more uh, complexity. And so it was a surprise that it's so easy. Really you mellow. Very, yeah. But at least you still get that, that full mm-hmm. bodied you know, aroma to inhale. And you're like, mm-hmm. you know, because I do love that. I love my wine like that. I like to have the, the great, the great smell. You as like well. your men like that. <laughs> I like my men to smell nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then be easy. And full bodied. And full bodied. <laughs> and then be easy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> They're lining up, you know. They're just lining up outside for it, you know. They hear that, but no, this is fabulous, and, yeah. I, and I appreciate our friend donating it. Yeah, to us wasn't that show. very kind? So, yeah, so Chantelle, you're saying this is your very first podcast ever, but I'm, you're not um, unfamiliar with being, you know, brought into studios and doing interviews. You've been, you've done some pretty cool things. Yes, I've, I've definitely done a combination of it's more. TV, video, okay. interviews, but when I was with my my previous company, Chloe and Isabel, um, and it's ranged greatly from morning shows to Bloomberg. I mean, really, what was it's that? Run- Bloomberg, <laughs> what was that like? That was the most terrifying experience of tell my us, life. Tell us why. <laughs> it was actually my first, and it was live. And there was no wine involved. And there was no wine involved. Okay. And... Um, I think just the idea of having your first experience be a live one. Oh, right. Um, yeah. And something like Bloomberg, which is really intense. It was deal. like hard hitting business questions that I went out there and I just kind of 
blacked out. Like, I don't even remember. And then I go back and, and I watch it. And I'm like, oh my God. Did I you, say that? Was that me? <laughs> I was like, something, there was like a ghost. There was, a, there was a, uh, I was possessed by something else and it got me through that. Um, but I, even though it turned out great, I was like, I'm never doing this again. No live TV. Never again. Huh. And then <laughs> did you? No, I never did oh, live TV okay. again. I was like, this is, this is it. Like, I, I did it. I, I said I would do it. No, it was, it was great. But you know. Do you have a sense of, like, how many people saw that? Oh, God, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, is that what was going through your mind? Were you kind of like, oh, my God, you know, millions of people are watching this? Yeah, I think it's a combination of that. And and when I think about, I guess— Bloomberg, I don't think about someone like myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it's hard to, to separate the fact, you know, they saw me, I think, as this, you know, venture backed entrepreneur, mm-hmm. fast growing company, whereas I just saw myself as someone who's finally realizing a dream and a plan and excited about the audiences that I like to speak to were women. Mm-hmm. And so I kept thinking, is it mostly men watching this? Like, it's the same way when I used to, I, I do a lot of um, speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, when I get up behind a podium and I see a sea of men, it's a very different feeling for me than when I get up in front of a podium and see a sea of women. Do you shift your, um, your delivery of the material? Because, I mean, it's not like you can, like, rewrite everything as, that you want to oh, present, yeah. but do you shift it at all? Do you, well, do if you I ha- know, make it a little harder? Like, or um, Well, if I know I'm speaking at a at a, an engagement with women, especially because at Chloe and Isabel, we, we had our own Chloe and Isabel summits that— okay. I spoke about very specific things that were catering to women and messages that I thought were really important for them to hear. Whereas if I was just doing, you know, another, if it was, you know, shop talk or something that was an industry-wide type of um, summit or whatever, it's talking about the business model and people are more interested in, people are interested in business models. I mean, it's really, Mm -hmm. the difference is passion, right? Right. Like you get up there and I'm going through the motions and I'm telling them the information I know they want to hear versus me getting up there and just speaking from the heart because I absolutely love the message I want to, I want to share with them. And that's, that's probably the biggest difference. It's just even just the delivery because I'm personally more excited about one. Well, and then we've we've found that just like with, you know, with our conversations and the whole reason that the show ex- exists, like when you're when you're vulnerable and you're letting your passion shine and you're you're being honest about things and sharing your perspective, that's what people connect with. Yeah. So you know, we can all go to meetings and have someone tell us about their incredible business plan and how to you know how to make the best best marketing approach to grow your business, all this stuff, you know. But what really resonates with people are the stories behind it, which is what your whole business is about. It's all about stories. So... Yeah. Well, I, I think it's interesting if we, I know I'm not a social scientist, I've just observed life for 50 years, <laughs> uh, is that, you know, women are, I would I would put out there to say a greater percentage of them are inspired by the personal story, by the anecdote. And they'll go to a conference and they'll come out like, oh, the speaker said this, or I could really resonate. Um, it's hard to like make those kind of connections with like, well, these are, these are step one, two, and three with your business plan, your model, things like that. However, men think and react more in a different manner to women so oh, they're yeah. they're they're watching your presentation and they're gle- gleaming nuggets as well they're mm-hmm. just they they just don't need those nuggets packaged in the in yeah. the story right. as we do and i'm i'm speaking very generally yeah. there are men and women that differ from that perspective um, but it's wonderful when you know those things, yeah. right? And oh, then yeah. you can tailor your message to your audience. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. um, and your products to your audience, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you that know? was, 
you know, a big part of what I was doing in my previous company was helping women discover their inner entrepreneur. You know, we were helping them launch their own businesses, thinking about how do I, how do I make that decision for myself? How do I take that leap? And, you know, very few women, I mean, the percentage of, of people that are not only female entrepreneurs, but the idea that you can actually get funding and getting backed. I mean, mm-hmm. venture capital, especially at that point in time, it was, you know, 1%, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe three. And she, there was like this range of like, oh, we're up to 3% now. So you, you have to kind of stop and say, well, why is that? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and it really is a combination of women not being, I think, I, in I the to, room when the money decisions <clears throat> are being made. Yeah. And talked about. And yeah. I used to say, like, this is so terrible. Um, That's but, all right. Our <laughs> listeners are very forgiving. You just tell, you just speak oh, from the God. heart. Yeah. You know, because I would get in front and, I t- and I'm trying to, like, help these women, you know, see, like, what are the differences between men and women and what role do we play in, in our we are responsible to a certain extent for where we're at because I used to say they have men, I'm generalizing this, not all men are like this, um, have this like almost irrational sense of optimism when it comes to business. It's like, I can do this. And oh, yeah, well, sure. Well, I'm going to crush this and like we're going to be a billion dollar business. And whereas like women are, are more cautious, you know, when we yeah. go out there. It's like, well, you maybe know, I can do maybe like tomorrow if we're good and the so- the stars have aligned and, yeah. and everything's f- good. And if you'll give me a little bit, maybe <laughs> I can have a, I really appreciate it. You shouldn't have given me this $50, but I promise you I will do the yeah. best I can with that money. Yes. You know, we're almost cowering when we're yes. asking for money. Like I and never see a, and a, we never ask for as much. We don't, no. right? we don't ask for enough. Yeah. We, we, we don't believe in ourselves nearly as much as the men, <laughs> the men do. Like, well, the so room is on fire. They're like, it looks great. <laughs> This is my plan. This was, I meant for this to happen. The world is on fire because of me. And the woman sitting there like, I'm so sorry. The world's on fire right now. It wasn't, yeah. I wasn't how I wanted this to go. I hope you can forgive me. Could we still be friends? Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, I remember talking with a, a woman entrepreneur not, not that long ago um, who, uh, you know, is an incredibly successful business now and has been in a, you know, a, a networking group that's very male dominated and, mm. you know, was talking about her idea and all of the men were just like, you're crazy and, you know, um, you know, you better be ready to go to war because business is war is basically what they were saying to her. And she's like, I don't think it has to be that way. Like she's embraced a completely different approach. Like business isn't war, it's love, you know? And it's about surrounding yourself with, you know, people that have positive energy and it's, you know, the give and the flow, all of this. Yeah. Well, she's wildly successful now to the point where these men that were in her group that were saying gear up for battle are now like, um, so can you tell me how you go about this whole <laughs> talking to the universe thing and <laughs> sending positive energy and how it comes back? Like, you know, my right. exactly. <laughs> Which I love that, you yeah. know. I remember uh, when I first started working in economic development, 25 years ago, um, I was at a, a round table and, you know, here I am at, at a, fresh out of grad school and I'm like listening and I'm really taking it in. And I think it was a women in business round table. And, um, I was there as, you know, as representative of the County, not, not presenting, just mm. being there. And I remember listening to this, um, this woman who had, had run a travel and a language, uh, training company and Anheuser-Busch had asked, had 
contracted with her or contacted her to do some training for their expatriates who are going to be going, you know, abroad, you know, cultural training, um, you know, language immersion, all these kind of things. She said that she was in the boardroom. And, you know, August Bush, I think the third, because it wasn't the fourth yet. He's the one who sold AB. So the third Mm -hmm. is at the end of the table and all these men. And he says, so how much is it going to take to do this? And she was like, oh, this was, you know, I'm talking 25, Mm -hmm. however many years ago. And she's like, it's going to be $150,000. She's like, good. I'd have paid you more. And so she took she took (laughs) that moment and said, "I will never ever underbid. I will always overbid." Yeah, because you can negotiate from there, right? Right. We don't think about negotiating. We think about what's a fair price. I know. Yeah, you're right. We want to be as we want to be honest. You know, it's like. That gets us into a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I remember, I, like, I just I filed that away because I, when you, like, held your stomach and your 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 heart right then when I told mm. you that story, I felt the same way. Yeah. I was like, okay. Now, have I had to put that in practice? No. <laughs> I'm not sitting there at the boardroom of Anheuser-Busch, you know, but I do, I do see where, you know, we have a tendency to... To under, under, under evaluate our undervalue ourselves, right? ourselves yeah. underpay our, each other, oh, absolutely. you know, absolutely. trade things all the time. Yeah. I, I wonder how much, and this is just a, this is just a question. Um, it has, I wonder how much we as women are responsible for keeping our own wealth down, you know, mm. like. Um, and this is my theory, you know, that let's, if we, even if we go to like the multi-level marketing, the Tupperwares, the, mm-hmm. you know, those things, you always go to your friends, right. you're always, you know, picking into their pockets, mm-hmm. your friends are guilted into buying your things, mm-hmm. um, and then you want to, you know, but then I'll, the, and then to join their business, so everybody's, everybody's on the back of each other, but nobody's creating any real wealth because ultimately the wealth goes to the company that you're representing. Yep. And then if you have if you have a business and uh, and you are um, uh, like I have some friends that are consultants and um, and then like and who does like really great website dev- design and um, the women clients on in general want to trade whatever their whatever their business is. Like, yeah. you know, I do life coaching, so I'll trade oh, you life coaching yeah. for to do yeah. my to yeah. do my website or whatever. And I was yeah. thinking, how much are we how much are we um, subconsciously perpetuating that perpetuating the yeah. wealth gap oh, yeah. of our, on our own oh uh, well, absolutely because, well because we're just we we live in a more fearful way mm-hmm. because whether it's being afraid of hearing no or thinking again that you're doing something that's unjust or unfair uh, I think it's harder for us to imagine the possibilities and say well let's just let's just try that and that's that was the biggest message I kept giving you know our entrepreneurs our really whoever you know we're working with is don't be afraid to ask and this was the other thing that I was saying earlier is we tend to think that we need to be so prepared you know it's like we can't make a mistake we've got to be perfect we have to have all the answers yeah yeah I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur when I was 21 years old I I said it but I took 15 years to do it I was like Mm -hmm. well I'm gonna work for Target Corporation and then I'm gonna work for Macy's and then I'm gonna work for Gap and I'm gonna get all this experience and I'm gonna fill my basket of skills until until I'm worthy enough I'm I'm ready like I I need to make sure that I can succeed and in my mind only time and experience was going, going to get me there and by the time I became an entrepreneur and I started to meet all these other entrepreneurs 
they they were like coming straight out of school mm-hmm. and and raising mm-hmm. this kind of money and they were going right in. I'm like they're so fearless. I'm like they don't have any experience at all and they're doing this I, is amazing. You know, and I think that fearless thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, Michelle, with what you're talking about, like how much of us, uh, how much of the problem that we have is women we're we're perpetuating this problem because we're giving stuff away and not really understanding our value. But I think really up until fairly recently. Um, the world didn't look at us with the eyes that we could be successful entrepreneurs. We, yeah. you know, uh, up until very recently, you know, there weren't as many women going to college as there were men. And, you know, up until recently, it was like, okay, women, you're going to home ec in, you know, you're going to learn how to bake yeah. and sew in high school. And the men are going to learn how to build things. Like, yeah. you know, like these roles that, that we have that to have play been, out. So- right, socially created for us. Exactly. Right. And so I think that's what's been so really refreshing about the millennials as they've entered a workplace is that they have been brought up with this idea that you can do anything you want and mm-hmm. they believe it and they do it, exactly. you know? And so, you know, that I think has really contributed to the shift. Mm-hmm. Um, now the we're the ones with the experience, yeah. right? So I think it is a good time for female yeah. entrepreneurs. Well, we feel like we have to do it all, you know, a, a female entrepreneur who's a mother feels like, well, how am I going to be a mother and an entrepreneur? Whereas you don't hear men saying, how am I going to be a father and an entrepreneur? And this was one of the hardest decisions that we made as a family because when I created my my business plan, it was the first time I was ever not working, which was on maternity leave. And so this idea that I'd had forever, I'm like, all right, I'm going to put pen to paper. I'm going to, I'm going to finally do this. I've gained enough experience. I'm qualified now. (laughs) I've gained the experience. I've delivered a human into the world. And, yeah. Well, and and what's crazy is even that, even then, I put the business plan together and I wanted to do it. And I still don't know if I would have made that leap if at the exact same time that this was going on, my mom was losing her battle with breast cancer. Oh, my gosh. And she was in hospice. I mean, this was literally in her final days. And I went to visit her and so she could meet my son, who was only a, a couple months old. We went. She was in California. We were in New York, so we went as soon as we could fly with him. And, she, I mean, she could barely speak. But what she did say to me was, I don't know. She's like, this is not the daughter that I know because the daughter that I know would have already done this by now. Oh, wow. And I was like... <laughs> that hurts. Okay. That's yeah. a really and that's a really powerful statement. Was your mother yeah. always an encourager of you? You know, it, or was she one of these like stood she, back and went, "Holy cow, was, look at my daughter go." You know what? She was just someone who who'd never went the way of the grain. You know, she kind yeah. of did whatever she she wanted to do mm-hmm. in in a lot of different ways, <laughs> but um I think ultimately she saw me as a fighter. I mean, we you won't get into this right. whole story, but you know, I left home I can't if I want to, but this is yeah. a longer story, but yeah, sure. I left home at 13. And so she saw a daughter that was fearless, right? Yeah. That right. was always taking these chances. Um and just wasn't wasn't afraid. And then here, I went from being this kid who was like, "Peace out, I'm going because I want a better future, and I want to go to this. I want to get a better school. All these things that I really wanted for myself. Suddenly, taking, I was always like, "I'm going to take the path, you know, the the road less traveled." And now yeah. I'm taking the road everyone's traveling on. And so I kind of walked away with that. And I thought, 
what happened to me? Where's yeah. where's that fighting spirit? Where what happened to me as a human? And I yeah. made my last day at work what would have been her birthday. Amazing. Oh, and then that's a great gift to her. Yeah. But then came the the discussion right with yeah. the husband. How are we going to do this with a child? Okay, there's so many layers of conversation I yeah, want to have she's right out of now. Wine. I know. So, so like, <laughs> so we need to refresh your wine. I want to talk about why you left at 13. That is mm-hmm. a story. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about how gone. this conversation went with your. Well, <laughs> you know, you can't, here's why it's an here's why it's relevant. It's never an accident on this show. <laughs> like, yeah, we had it planned. We're gonna get it. We're gonna we're gonna find. She won't even realize she's gonna tell us her deepest darkest secrets. <laughs> I know. Within the first 20 I minutes, mean, this is the magic of the wine. I feel like. I'm on um, what's what's the Barbara Walters? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, when do I start crying? <laughs> we got the Kleenex down oh, here. Fantastic. That's, uh, that's like one of the best compliments we've been getting. So, um, well, yeah, so let's just take a break and we'll come right back, okay? Michelle, I am so excited. We have a new sponsor. I know, Emily. We're thrilled to bring them on board as partners here at Clearly Speaking the Podcast. It's a great group of people. It's worry-free marketing. Uh-huh. And, you know, I discovered them many years ago when I first moved to St. Louis. I was doing a lot of independent consulting work at that time. And this company was my go-to resource whenever I knew a company needed a new website or website work. They needed help in that digital world, yeah. driving good prospects to their website through yeah. AdWords, Facebook campaigns, whatnot. They just did a great job. And I love those guys. So they're a sponsor for us and they're like our social media Uber partners, fans. right? Exactly. I mean, I mean, this is like a really great resource for us. I mean, you have done an incredible job with your phone and your <laughs> iPad and your laptop, you know, putting things together. But it's nice when you can have a team behind you. That's right. I mean, because things happen more quickly when you have a team versus trying to do it all by yourself. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's its own specialty. Marketing is such a tough thing and to do a really good job at it. I mean, I'm a visual person, a creative person. So I've I've done the best that I can, but you know. And the nice thing when you get to a point in a business and you realize, hey, I I need to bring somebody on. If you Mm -hmm. reach out to a company like Worry-Free Marketing, and then you bring them on board, you are not going to be disappointed at all with the resources, with the research, with the analysis that they give you with the strategy, you know. Um, And we are so blessed to have them on board here at Clearly Speaking, the podcast. I'm very excited about this relationship. I know. Isn't it wonderful? It's great. So they can reach Worry Free at worryfreemarketing.com. And uh, you can always yeah, click we'll make... on the link from our website too. That's absolutely right. All right. So thank you, Worry Free. You've definitely helped us be worry free. And we're back. So we all have, uh, we, well, we, we kind of have some full glasses, foolish, yeah. but we can <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, here's what I was thinking when you were talking about, you know, the, the fear and uh, that, that held you back from um, really pursuing entrepreneurship when you were a, a young adult. And then, you know, you threw that bomb in here about the fact that you left home at 13. <laughs> and, you know, for me, that clicked right into place. Like, I understand why you would be more reserved about pursuing a life of entrepreneurship if you were on your own at 13. I, too, was on my own at a very young age, mm. which set me down a path of fighting for stability. 
And so that is that is what you know, what I created for myself. You know, mm-hmm. I got the great job. I had the great income. I had all of those things that you feel like you need if you don't have that, yeah. you know? And then I eventually got antsy and like you, was like, okay, this this model isn't working for me. I'm miserable, you know? So I'm, I'm curious. Um, here's me projecting my story on yeah. you. <laughs> but, you know, it, I, you know, one, I can see why that would happen. Two, is is that what happened? And, and tell me what, like, what led you to leave home at 13? Yeah. <laughs> um, wanting a better life for myself. I grew up in a very small town in Northern California, like okay. far, far north, north of Sacramento, okay. <laughs> for anyone that knows what that, that oh, is. Close yeah. to Oregon. Um, it's funny, like there's a lot of space between near, above Sacramento, near Chico, kind okay. of in that area. But yeah, okay. it's not that far, but there's there's so much space between Sacramento and the Oregon border. It's crazy. Okay. But yeah, I mean, okay. I, I lived in Orville, I lived in Red Bluff, I mean, these little small towns. But for whatever reason, and this is something that people have asked me so many times, like, what made you like this? And I just, I don't have an answer for that. But what I can say is that from a very early age, I knew I wanted to get out of this town because I saw that nobody ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know my father. I was with, uh, my mom was a, a single, single mom. And how many siblings? I have two older half-brothers mm-hmm. who were really actually raised more so with, with their father. Okay. So, you know, most of my, my life, it was kind of me and You're my mom, mom and, and he was just not somebody that we even spoke about. Mm-hmm. And there was a private school, a private Catholic school that I was going to because my older brothers were going there that was being paid for by... And you know my my by mom, their dad by, by their their grandmother their grandmother oh wow yes. how nice I know and and so that's I a, kind of got to go there that's a, that's <laughs> you a know? woman taking care you know that's that's a woman taking care mm-hmm. of her her granddaughter or, or their or, grandsons yeah. yeah well and I just kind of got to scoot in I think on the family I mean, discount on the family <laughs> discount yeah exactly and they're they're quite a bit older than me you know okay. um, six and eight six and eight years so they were kind of out. Anyhow, point B, and my mom was someone who always kind of struggled to to work. She was more of an artist. She loved to write. She loved to draw. Um, but I, you know, we were, there were moments where we were on and off, you know, welfare and just, you know, kind of struggling to survive. And I just remember around the fourth grade hearing hearing them say like, hey, if you can't pay tuition, she can't continue to go here. And I was kind of like sitting in the the principal's Mm -hmm. office while they were talking to her. And I was like, oh my God, like this is my only ticket out of here. And it became my mission from that point forward to figure out ways to not be kicked out of the school. So I I went in, I'm like, I'll clean classrooms. You know, as I got further on, I'm like, I'll tutor kids. If I get straight A's, will you let me stay here? And so I just- You were negotiating- yeah. At a very young and, age, and yeah, so and the and the Catholic school allowed you to clean classrooms, and they allowed you to tutor kids. child labor in the yeah. class in yeah. a very like friendly way. I remember they were like, okay. I mean, I had there was just this amazing teacher who would have me come in at the end of the day, and she'd kind of do it with me. And yeah. you know what? I think that they realized that how important it was to me, and right. I, I'm like, mm-hmm. this is for whatever reason. I loved I loved learning. I loved going to school, mm-hmm. but I valued. I just knew that an education was my way out. Mm-hmm. And so the once I got into eighth grade, this was a kindergarten through eighth grade school, the top graduate got a scholarship to go to this private high school. Was it a boarding high in, school? 
It was not (laughs) up in Red Bluff. Um, And I just worked my tail off to get this. But I still didn't have a way to, I didn't know where I was going to live. I I kind of wasn't really even telling my mom about this because she had me all scheduled to go to the the local high school. And and I, I got this scholarship and... I just called and I'm like, you know what? I, I need housing. They they put a a, a, a bullet in their bulletin and like the church bulletin, like student needs housing. Next thing I know, a couple saying like, you can live with us for $285 a month. We'll give you food and all these things. And I mean, I didn't even, I remember, I, I think I told my mom like a week before I left, I'm moving, I'm moving to Red Bluff and I moved in with this family and my, my older brother actually helped pay for it. I was just going to say, where did you find out <coughs> with a 285 a month? Like He, he yeah. paid for it until I was 15 and then I became emancipated and, you yeah. know, and, you know, work in the summer times. But every year I lived someplace different. Oh, a different family different, every well, year? Because they, they ended up, they were retired empty nesters. They oh, ended like, up you know, traveling not, the world. Well, not so sure like having a teenager around again. (laughs) Instead of going to like Hawaii, I think, they were like traveling. But I mean, one time I lived in this garage for $50 a month behind someone's home. There was another time where I was just living by myself behind a Circle K. I mean, every year it was something different, but it was so important to me to be able Mm -hmm. to get that education in order to get into a college that I felt could just give me a a better life, one one that I wanted. So... So was there wow. anybody in your life that um, that was the example, like that, that like mm. either said to you, look, you know, get educated, keep going to school? I mean, I, I just, or did, or was it just you looked around socially, saw what was on TV, the messages of different billboards and, and uh, you know, assimilated the information that way? You know, I think it was a combination of of seeing definitely movies. I can remember every once in a while I'd see a movie and you'd see like the big city. And I remember thinking, I want to be in New York City. And I just, I had this craving to be in a big building. <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to be in a skyscraper. And, you know, I was the first college graduate of my, my family. Again, not not on my father's side because I don't, I don't know yeah, that yeah. side. And later on I learned that, like, in fact, they actually ended up with, like, Ivy League education. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Maybe this is where my passion comes from. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. But it, in my family, it really wasn't something that necessarily was expected of me. Your mom or, wasn't a reader or anything? I mean, she was an avid reader. Okay. But it's not like she was like, you need to do X, Y, and Z yeah. because I think it wasn't expected of her. Um, so I, I don't know. It, that's I can't the one imagine thing that, how she reacted when you told her a mm-hmm. week before. I mean, I, you know, I have three children now, probably when they were 13 and probably would have said, fine, go away, you know, yeah. but I mean, I'm just like trying you know, thinking mm-hmm. about what that was like for a mom yeah. to be told that and to trust you enough yeah. to let go you go it. too. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I bet you that. I would assume. I mean, I would. I'm, I can't. You know, however your mother reacted, she reacted. But if I would, I would worry. I, I did. I worried when my kids were are away at school or whatever mm-hmm. at college. But um, like to know you're going through all of these things and you're a couple hours away, right? Oh yeah, a couple yeah. hours. Uh, did you call her a lot? Did you have or or was it pretty much you left and I left and sorry, I, just, Mom. I just really focused on. On and school, you, on your yeah. future, How resourceful. Yeah. You're living in yeah. a, a garage or behind Circle K. I, I, <laughs> right. I couldn't imagine making those decisions for myself at 15. Yeah, but the hardest it, part was like, how do I get to school at 15? Right. Yeah. Right. So I got. I remember I got a little Honda Spree scooter because you could be 15. But mm. then on like really rainy days, or if the ice was road, yeah. I'd be like, who can? Or the road was icy. I would 
look for a senior to pick me up, you know, to take mm-hmm. me to school because it was just. Did the students know you were on your own pr- practically? Yeah. Did Now, yeah. were they welcoming and supportive or were they like, oh, and there's that girl who's nearly homeless? Yeah, no, people were really, I think okay. at the same time, it was like, it was interesting to them. Like, oh, like, like yeah, this, man, look this at her. That's, yeah. This <laughs> so cool parents, badass. I bet you smoke cigarettes, too. Let's just say the parents were concerned. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were like, our kids cannot go to her house. Um, I mean, eventually it got to a point where by the time I was a junior, they were concerned enough. They're like, you need to go and live with a family. So I ended up, um, <laughs> the school sort of enforced me to that. Yeah, live with a family yeah. where the father was like, a CHP officer. I was like, all oh right, I get, I get it. <laughs> so, so speaking father here, I'm I'm very curious, like, do you know your father now? Like, you know of your father, clearly, in the family. Do you know your father? Are you in contact? Um, no. I mean, I mm-hmm. eventually discovered, you know, who he was. I have learned since and that he's, he has also passed away. Okay. But, um, yeah, no, I think, you know, I think it was one of those situations where, they were not necessarily together for a long time, mm-hmm. and it was something that the— Well, um, you were you were supposed to be born. That's yeah. why they met, because yeah. you, were, yep. you were supposed to be born, right? That's yeah. how we could take it, right? Yeah. Um, because look at what you've done, and, yeah. and look at the life that you've created for yourself and, uh, you know, overcome, you know, the, the obstacles and, and, and stayed focused. And now how, you have how many children now? One? Two. Two. Yep. And boy and a girl? Yep. I have a five-year-old girl and a 10-year-old boy. Okay, so see, and I'm going to venture to guess that you are such a different parent. Oh, my my God. Like, to a fault. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to protect you from everything. (laughs) I'm going to redefine the word helicopter mom. (laughs) I'm, like, so worried that I'm going to screw them up by being so protective. It's terrible. I'm like, you're going to get the best education. I'm going to make sure that we can just give you everything you need. But um, and then you worry, do yeah. I go? If I go too far, will I will I diminish any of their own independent yeah. spirit? No, it's, right? it's so true. Like, are they going to have that drive to want to pave their own path and change the world? And what mm-hmm. you realize is that you can instill that. You know, you have those conversations. I'm constantly having those conversations with my children about like, you have the ability to to have a ripple become a huge massive tsunami you know like mm-hmm. you can do this and the the sooner you get them passionate about causes I mean I think it's never too early to talk to your children about how they can make a positive impact on this world and then they will grow up and that passion will stay there and they won't settle and take jobs that are just paying the bills but instead they will pursue their passions and think about how can I take what I love and have that positive impact and give back to whatever is important right. to them right what are some causes that have become important to your children no, I mean they're really big on saving the planet. Yeah. I mean that is that is the hot the yeah. hot topic. Um, the other day I saw my son grabbing, you know, collecting every plastic bottle that he could possibly find, and he was trying to build a boat with it. Oh. I was like, oh. He's like, we're we're going to be able to like build things with these, and I'm like, you know what? You're not that wrong. Like you, we yeah. can we can build things with these. Um, but you know they're they're incredibly aware that. Mm-hmm that they need to worry about this. And it's it's sad, but it's also inspiring, mm-hmm. you know, to see that they they're gonna figure this out. You know, and it's sad that we weren't able to to prevent this from happening. Mm-hmm. But I have a tremendous amount of faith in this in this group. In oh, this I, I generation. I do too. And they will continue to educate all of us yeah, exactly. on how we could be better at, at he inspires me and our day. choices with it. So your husband must feel very similarly about 
education, instilling passion and um, social awareness with your children. Um, he is he's the stay at home father, right? Yeah. He is. I mean, I don't think that he knew this was what was going to yeah. happen <laughs> on our journey. But, you know, I mean, this is this is part of the problem, right, for, for women is that it's never we we don't grow up. Little boys don't get to grow up saying it's OK if you're a stay at home dad. Mm-hmm. We grow up being told it's OK if you're a stay at home mom. So unfortunately, when men sometimes take on this role, they feel inadequate or maybe like a failure. And here, you know, my husband had this incredibly successful career and he just, ha- at the time we were having our first child, he was in a, a startup that had been acquired. And mm-hmm. so really it was at that point where, you know, people were moving on, you know, because it was being acquired and they were restructuring. And I said, well, what do you think about maybe you staying home? Mm-hmm. And while I pursue this dream and see if I can raise the money to start this business, and I think part of him didn't think I'd be able to raise the money. Not that he didn't believe in me, but like it's a lofty goal and we had set a time limit on it. It's yeah. like, yeah, your maternity leave. Can yeah. you get it done in three months? Because otherwise yeah. you have to go back to work. I was given a little less than six. Um, November was my date. I had to have this done by. Oh, wow. And, and I signed a term sheet on, on November 18th. And at that point, he suddenly found himself like in this role of being a stay-at-home dad. And that was, you know, 10 years ago. And he has been at home ever since. So I don't think that I could have done what I did if I didn't have a husband who was willing to to play a role that he's never been taught to play or he's never been told that he could play. And I, I saw him through the years struggle with it and think, I need to go out there and, and get a job. Like this isn't, it's almost like you think you've got to hire a nanny because mm-hmm. the man can't be at home. And he'd be, eventually he embraced the fact that he was at the park with women. Right. And people learned to not call me, but to call him. But I mean, even to this day, it's hard for schools to think that they need to call the dad and not the mom. And I think it's so important that when I look at my son, I'm so grateful that he sees this, mm-hmm. that he sees that. I mean, my husband's an incredible chef, like truly. He, that's what he really should yeah. have done with his life. But like my, my son wants to learn how to cook and he sees that a dad can stay at home and my little girl sees that mommy works. And I see them playing the roles and sometimes they'll mimic us. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is hysterical. It's like, look at me, I'm mommy. I'm going off to work. And like, I got to go catch my train. I'm like, oh God. But it's so important. And I don't think that any of us realize that we have to make sure that our little boys are told that it's okay to right. be a stay-at-home dad because we don't do that. You know, we don't naturally yeah. do that. Or it's okay to be a contributing person to the family more than 50%, and yeah. it doesn't have to always be financial. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's okay. It is. It yeah, is. ego aside, Yeah. does your husband enjoy being home? Uh, he it, Yes, I think yeah. that he does. I think that there are moments where, because he's he's so talented in so many ways that I think that he's kind of waiting for his, his moment. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, as the kids have really, and, and we just, we love having one of us always there for them. And mm-hmm. the, it was just a decision that that we made together. But I think that he has really loved this time. I mean, we're going to look back on this and there are times I'm so jealous of him. I'm oh, like, you get sure. to do it's all these things. I'm like, this is, you know, yeah. he gets to see everything. He's going to the guitar lessons. He's going to the swimming. I, I don't see anything, you know, right. I'm, I'm missing all of it. And how do you help yourself cope with that? 
you know, when you have those moments and you're, there's some tears or some sadness or some, you know, like, I wouldn't say depression, but like a a regret that you can't do. Oh, I I have a tremendous amount of of regret um, with my son because there's a five year age difference there. Yeah. And when I started, you know, Chloe and Isabel, that was a very intense situation because I raised a lot of money and we were very fast growing. I mean, it was a a venture backed machine. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember the first five years of my son's life. I mean, I know I was there, but I wasn't really there because I was so there for my company. And by the time I had my daughter, I just said, I can't do this again. I can't miss the first five years again. And I did it so differently with with her. But I feel were I do. Were you still with Chloe and Isabel then when you had her? Or were you yes. in, with Inspire? No, I, I was with Chloe and Isabel, okay. but left about... Um, a year and a half after that. And I just made myself incredibly present, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not even just, what I realized is that I didn't have the ability to separate work from home even when I was home. And so the lesson that I learned was when I'm at work, I'm giving it 200%, but when I am home, I'm letting work go. Because the kids don't remember the time, they remember the quality of the time. Mm -hmm. And if you're there, but you're on your phone and you're working, you might as well just be at work. Like you Mm -hmm. physically being there is almost more more disturbing to them because you're not playing with them. And so now... What they remember is when Aunt Mommy is home. It's fun, right? It is fun. We are doing Legos. We are doing puzzles. We are playing make-believe. What, whatever it is, I am shutting down and I don't even look at my phone because it's robbing them of precious time. And, and I you know, too, yeah, right? exactly. And yeah. as the CEO of your company, yeah. you can make that choice. Exactly. Yeah, and do you exactly. then pass that on to your employees? Like, look, I'm not going to be sending you an email at 7.45 p.m. and expect you to respond to me at 7.50. Exactly. Part of your culture. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, separate the two because I, I believe that happy people that have balance are are better at what they do because they love what they do. You're right. you just you need to have that sort of balance in your life and I think everything benefits from it. So yeah. Well, they are incredibly lucky to have you as uh, as their mom, as their wife, as their employer. Uh, your clients are lucky to have you as well. I mean, these are you know we're just I you know had you not you know taken that big step and gone off at thirteen. I you know I think how different would your life be, right? Oh, I can't um, even. You probably still be in that small town in California. You probably have like a couple a couple sets of kids, maybe. I think maybe I think different you, baby daddies. You might you know? be right. Some of those that just kind of travel through town, you know, and yep. get some of that. But um, um, you know, a brood of children. <laughs> my lit, my litter <laughs> making making things in the backyard. You know, the Catholic school would still be using their uh, yeah. their labor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we can all look back at, at you know what, if I had not taken that turn mm-hmm. that turn, you know what my, what my yeah. life be like. There's oftentimes I feel like um, yeah the 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 road would have been different, but there are certain things that come back that I'm like I'm pretty sure I was just supposed to be here. Like you know I feel right. I feel at right. times that no matter my path, yeah. I still would have ended up here. The circuitousness of it, right, um, would be yeah. different, but. Mm. Yeah. Um, as a as an entrepreneur who uh, your first venture was all about inspiring other female entrepreneurs, what what is a, a mistake that you see that is common among women as they're thinking about starting a venture? And what would be like some number one key advice? Oh gosh, I think number one is like don't be afraid to ask for help. 
Mm. You know, we we help everyone. We don't think to ask for help. And one of the things that I've witnessed about men is that they're so great at asking each other for help. You know, they're they're right there giving each other a leg up. It's what do you need? Like th- this idea of kind of like this bro society is what really helps catapult them forward. And and I give them props for it. I'm like, good for you to be sitting there supporting one another. And women tend to compete with one another. And that was one of the messages that for me was so important to spread, whether it's at Inspire, whether it was at Chloe and Isabel, whether it's with my, my children, is that the only way that women are going to get ahead is if we stop looking at each other as, as competition, competition right. or feel jealousy. I mean, there's these little yes. things. Like, you never hear men talk about other men that way, right? Like, <laughs> oh, God, he thinks he's so cool. Look at his like, hair. Look at him. He's uh-huh. just so great. Can you believe yeah. he wore that to work today? <laughs> yeah. Like, we yeah. you know what I heard. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I we have to learn to do that. I agree. You know? and, and, and so I... What the thing I don't know is, is this just, it's the time in my life where that, those kinds of thoughts have disappear within women or was like the Me Too movement perhaps pivotal in banding us together? Because mm-hmm. I don't get that same sense of competition among women Anymore. that used yeah. to exist when I was young in my career. Boy, yeah. it was well, so there. Emily, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. You aren't 25. Well, that's why this is why I. You're no longer competition. I mean, this is why I put that out there. I said, you know, it it could be my age, but it also, it could be, I believe that there is a social shift and that women are, there's, you know, women empowering women. There's women. There's all kinds of things happening on that side. And I think me too helped with that. Who are become have their own companies uh, rise up through corporate ranks who who you know end up you know uh, mayors uh, you know and you know in leadership positions and whatever that leadership position is then we can we can give another woman a, a leg up you yeah. know the bros helping bros oh, yeah. it's because they were already in power so it was like oh I'll just call my buddy you have you know your son will have a job no no big deal we'll make oh, this yeah. happen so now it's like sort of like replicating that we need to take mm. our Tupperware model and change it Right. Exactly. Make it make our make our reaching out and and uh, you know uh, providing opportunities for other women as a way to create wealth among each other, yes. not to take um, from somebody else. And mm-hmm. I think probably you know there's there is because the number of opportunities were so um, so much less back when we were mm-hmm. younger. Mm-hmm. You competed to get that one spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got to have that. Got to have the one woman on the TV right. show, right? Or the yeah. one one woman anchor, you know, or whatever. Right. So they would. There was, and we had to fight for it. You had to you know? fight for that. The women at the top. When I was, you know, climbing my way in corporate retail, the women at the top were vicious. <laughs> like they had to claw their way to the top, and then they wanted to hold on to it. They were yeah. going to like bring somebody up and just yeah. let you know give her all this yeah. all this stuff because then you would be out the door, and yeah. and so you know I think. Give it another 25 years, and this conversation that we're having will be like so archaic. Oh, I, can't I hope, you know, there'll be like yeah. girls will be like, women will be like, like that? Can you believe no. that was an issue? I, well, <laughs> just yeah. Like, just <laughs> as, like the men at the top were always like jovial and like, hey, how's it going? They're like giving high fives, and like the women were just like so tough, you know? And it, and you thought, oh, I've got to be that. I remember thinking, oh, i got to toughen up. I'm not tough enough. I'm never going to climb this gotta ladder. Have my power I'm, I'm, suit. I'm, too, I'm too nice. Right. Like, you can't be too nice. And get but then you look at the men, they're so nice. And I'm like, what? Why? Why do we have to, we think that that's, 
we need to behave like a man when men aren't even behaving that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, it could go back to your statement about stability. Mm-hmm. You know, women have, um, you know, over a history, um, their stability was tied to a man. And then when we mm. were given an yeah. opportunity to um, work, be in the workforce, create money of our own, um, still but, in a world but that's they created still, by men. Right. It could still be something to take it away from you. And then where are you? Mm-hmm. You have to either go back to a man or what if you don't have a man? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, it's like, I remember um, one uh, uh, example of we had a councilwoman uh, here in St. Louis County. This would have been 25 years ago. And she was a single mom of like seven kids and she ran for county council. She got elected. She did a fantastic job. Um and then when she didn't run again, or I, I don't know if she like lost or didn't, I can't remember, but she was no longer the county council. And I think she may have been like chaired the county council, but she was no longer the chair or and the county council. There was nothing for her. And mm-hmm. she looked to her, like she looked at the male counterparts when they were finishing, they were being picked here, picked there. Like this job was waiting for them. Let me move you here. And there was like, there was nothing for her. And she mm-hmm. still had to feed seven kids. She's oh like, where, I, you know, the disconnect. Yeah. Now that would, again, was 25 years ago. It'd be interesting yeah. to compare opportunities for women post, uh, you know, civil, mm-hmm. civil um, service like that. Um, yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, we, because we normally are all this time is relying on a man. Yeah. And yeah. that's the scary thing is that then you're sudden, suddenly in a relationship where you feel like you need them more so than it's a true partnership, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of you see marriages actually start to break down because there's not that balance in, in the relationship anymore. Right. And that's, I mean, that's why I always say, like, it's so important to me that any relationship that I'm in, that need is never a factor, you know? Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's, um, that's a, that's a really great place to get to, yeah. you know. And psychologically. That, psychologically. Like it's not to say that there no, might not be a need there, but, right, like, but if you're thinking that way, it can yeah. be damaging. In a yeah, and if and it's good if we can get our young, the younger women, you know, in any relationship, whether, you know, it's hetero or homosexual or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. as long as you're, you're standing there as an equal partner, mm-hmm. that's like an ideal to strive for and to be at. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we all make mistakes. We all fall down. We all get back up. Absolutely. Um, I definitely am not going to, like, you know, whine about my situation when you left home at 13 and made this way and created a couple <laughs> companies. And I'm going to be like, I need to shut up about myself. You know? <laughs> it's like. <laughs> no. oh, we, we all have the example that we look at where I'm like, oh, wow, but that person had all these things going on, you know. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, we're also privileged because we're in the United States of America, right? So yeah. it is. There's always perspective is everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And we get really great perspective the, the longer yeah. we live and the more people we meet and exactly. the more people we talk to here on the show. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, I, I recently, and um, I know that Michelle, you and I are going to be talking about this soon, you know, recently in El Salvador, mm. um, you know, a, a staggering statistic that I learned when I was there was that 90% of the women there have been um, sexually assaulted or abused, 90%. Mm. And that's, of course, that's reported, Reported. you know. So when you talk about how fortunate we are, you know, to be here in the United States, there's a lot of things that are, there are a lot of areas of fortune, you know. And certainly, you know, we have our issues with regards to domestic violence and assault and abuse as well, but not 90 percent well we hope we we hope it's not 90 percent because again it is you know how much is goes unreported right you know when they say like one in four women so that's 
25 percent mm-hmm. that's still too high it's still too high yeah. Yeah. still too high yeah well, I'm so glad you made time on your whirlwind into St. Louis. Yes, I was just so excited to even I did, to even discover you had this going on. I, I was know. like, oh, we get to have a fun conversation. Oh my gosh, Absolutely. you're going to become a top fan, aren't and you? Wine. I can't wait to start listening. <laughs> <laughs> we have yes. to go back through the archives. Oh, absolutely. There's, There's quite a, few, a bit. A few, <laughs> few yeah. episodes. Um, but you'll notice a trend. We drink great wine. We have great conversations. Yeah. And um, we always ask our friends back, which we hope next time you come to St. Louis, yeah. we'll have another conversation. we never drink with our friends just one time. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yes. Well, I can't wait. It's a reason so he, to come back. Here's to yeah. you. Yeah. Well, cheers. Thank you cheers. for joining us. Oh.